January 22nd marked the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the legal decision by the United States Supreme Court that women had the right to decide whether to end a pregnancy. The concern, the concern is that next year we may not be celebrating the 50th anniversary. There is such a wave of effort to restrict abortion access. It is rising, and it is rising alongside with the effort to restrict voting, to reduce our liberties and our rights in this country. There are legal blocks. One of the most critical is in Texas, where on Thursday, the Supreme Court of our country avoided stopping the law that went into effect last September that cut off abortion access beyond six weeks. And letting this law continue to be in effect during the legal challenges to it. And the legal challenges are particularly difficult to organize because of how the law itself was written. And this is all by design. As I prepared for today, someone asked why address this anniversary in this year when the 50th is next year. We, we like round numbers for celebrations, right? But simply put, the conversation is now. The critical moment is today. Every day, every day also, the laws that further restrict access to Healthcare and abortion is healthcare. Every day these laws are in effect. People become more desperate and are held hostage instead of knowing affirmation and respect or, or at least having access to what they need to do to care for their lives and for their bodies. The good news is that people and organizations all across the country are showing up for choice and for rights and for justice. Religious organizations have been in this struggle for so long, for so many decades. And the religious bodies, the church, this church must show up again I know so many of us, so many of you are tired of this fight, have done phenomenal work in being advocates. You have been in it your whole lives. You thought you had accomplished the great work like Carolyn and her patriots and her peers. And the prospect of that effort being undone and the harm it's already bringing is devastating. But I'll tell you that simply having this access, this right, is we've already learned how precious it is, how important it is to have choice, to have options, to have health care that we need. I grew up with the assumption of this access, with the assumption of this form of autonomy. We know, as a community, as a 
religious tradition, we know the preciousness of affirmation of what happens in our society when women choose to become parents, for example, when people who can get pregnant choose whether or not to continue that pregnancy. When people who become, become pregnant feel affirmed in body, mind, and spirit for being able to make the choice that is best for them. When a community, we also know, when a community has access to good health care, as people have become more aware of that fact, after some communities, so many communities, after hundreds of years of marginalization, we know how important it is to be able to strive to improve life and their own and that of their neighbors. So as a people of this faith, we know what has been preached all along, that of sacred body and sacred choice, and how that has a profound impact on all of us. And those of us in the liberal, progressive, even moderate traditions need to claim the conversation again. The religious voice really matters here. The theology that calls for love speaks to everyone. It is also speaks to the entirety of the human experience. Those of us in religious traditions have an opportunity to claim the moral ground and not cede it to those who would narrow it and cause harm to others. It matters to all of us for folks who are white and middle class, for folks who are impoverished, for folks who are black, indigenous, people of color, trans people, anyone who can become pregnant, and the people who can't, the people who don't want to, the people in their lives as well. It is reproductive choice, reproductive health, and reproductive justice. My colleague, Reverend Greta Seidel, sums it up that reproductive justice means more than abortion access. It means a commitment to the spectrum of choices for the whole diversity of humankind. I think that's a good thing to realize as we live into our universalist tradition that says there is a big love and a big world and we are all part of it. It is to be committed to a pregnant person's right to choose as a defense of democracy and as an act of faith. And Unitarian Bristolism has been showing up for this for such a long time. Ten years before Roe versus Wade, the Unitarian Universalist Association officially supported the legalization of abortion in cases of rape, incest, threat to the mother, physical and mental defect of the child, or other compelling reasons. This was in the 1960s that a denomination, a tradition in this country, made this public declaration. The language and our understanding have changed a little bit over time, but make no mistake, this was a notable declaration of priority and, and human rights. These efforts led to the clergy consultation service, as Karen Bull talked about. It was honest-to-goodness help from religious leaders working with doctors to help people who were pregnant make a different choice. I can only imagine the power of 
the decision of Roe versus Wade in 1973. I mean, Carolyn just touches on that a little bit and her response of, wow, this really actually happened. I have to offer a note of thanks to the Women's Alliance at First Unitarian Church in Dallas because they were working with the people who were involved with this case. They were support for folks who put it together, including the woman known as Jane Rowe, who made a case and made the legal argument that way all the way up to the Supreme Court. But of course, we know that's not the end of the story, that decision. Because as soon as that decision was handed down, people who didn't want that access started to strategize to reverse it. They were playing a long game, which we are feeling the brunt of right now. And knowing this, knowing this, the faith leaders of that time in 1973 and after formed the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice to preserve abortion access. But even this work has evolved over time as well. In the early 1990s, black women created the term reproductive justice because the white feminism, the white uh, women's rights movement and other rights movements we're not speaking to the needs of black women who also were trying to honor uh, race and class as well as gender. As author and teacher Bell Hooks, the black uh, feminist we heard about last Sunday, as she pointed out and as she was encouraging women to speak to black feminism, black women have a particular trauma and legacy of oppression that combines race and gender and class. And we receive the benefit of that wisdom in this call to reproductive justice. It's concerned not only with the legally protected access to abortion, but the far broader needs for health that have an impact on the entire community. It's the people have a right to not have children, there's four elements to it. First, the people have a right to not have children. The people have a right to have children. The people have a right to raise the children they do have in a safe and healthy environment. And every person, every person has a right to health and self-determination regarding their bodies and their sexuality, free from oppression and shame. It is straight up bodily autonomy. To have children, to not have children, to raise the children they have in a safe and healthy place, and bodily autonomy. Those are the core principles of reproductive justice. And our larger Unitarian Universalism has taken up this call for reproductive justice as well. In 2015, there was a statement of conscience that included the saying, the Unitarian Universalists support gender equity, positive sexuality, diverse sexual expression, and the individual right to make reproductive choices. Such choices are influenced by social and political systems, as well as factors like racial and cultural identity, economic status, immigration, citizenship, relationship, health, and ability. Our religious tradition directs us to respect the diversity of faith traditions around us and insist that no 
particular religious viewpoint or creed guide the policies of our government. In short, we uphold the range of the human experience and not have any one dogma or creed determine our government and our health. And as a Unitarian Universalist who grew up in this tradition, this is the core of the message I received as a child. This is what we were doing. This is how we were showing up. I grew up with the previous incarnation of our sexuality education program about your sexuality. And one of the core books was Our Bodies, Ourselves. And even if I had never read the contents of the book, which I did all the time, just the title was affirming that our bodies, ourselves, it transformed me again and again and still does when I see it. We as a tradition are showing up by including our whole lives in our religious education program this year, the comprehensive sexuality education offered by the UUA and the United Church of Christ Homeland Ministries. It begins, each of these programs begin with honoring the self, one's relationships, learning about others, and learning about respect for our bodies and for consent. We show up as a religious tradition by creating a sexuality education program that serves in a secular world and is not tied to any one faith tradition. The point is, in all of this work is not to convert people to our beliefs or the same beliefs, but to make options available to live into this call for justice. Because, make no mistake, what's also in place is a threat to democracy, is a threat to our choices in our society in general. We want a freedom of choice rather than being run by a minority uh, that doesn't count large numbers of our population as actual people, as we keep hearing from our leaders in so many ways. This is a systemic attack that has been happening for 50 years. It demands a systemic response. We who believe in freedom need to show up. And we need to be this place and this people such as us to do so because collectively we have the power and the privilege to do so. We have obligation and we have opportunity. The obligation is as part of fulfilling our ongoing study of and service related to the effects of oppression, especially racism and, and sexism and class. We have the opportunity by showing up and just simply engaging in the conversation about abortion, about reproduction, about honoring the body, which is itself countercultural to so much of the messages in our society. We show up for economic and, and our emotional concerns, gender and sexuality needs, disability-related respect, and so much more. Remember, as Sonia Renee Taylor tells us, the body is not an apology. This is true for each and every one of us. It is true for our neighbors. It is true for those we will never know. The work of this showing up of advocating for justice in all its forms is practice. 
This work is sacred, it is special, it is holy, it is precious. It is for each of us, because what each of us does matters. We show up with a theology that affirms the holiness of each person, living the, re living the reason we speak, encouragement to spiritual growth, promoting inherent worth of every person, and advocating for a more democratic world, and acting from a sense of radical interconnection. This is, we are living into being a sacred body and exercising a sacred choice, because we we are so sacred. We, each of us, is loved. So I invite you to join me. Let us bring that action and that, that presence and that holiness into the world. Amen. <laughs>